1: It's good to accept it sucks, a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This time we're taking a look at Runaways, first seen in November 2017, when, if you wanted to look clever in front of your friends, you could have watched Flora Barber Shaw, Big Hero 6 the series or Relationship instead. I'm Tim Worthington and we'll be finding out what I made of Runaways shortly. Meanwhile Joining us to give her thoughts on Runaways is film scholar Miriam Kent. Miriam, where can people find you?
0: I can be found on Twitter at DrMarvel underscore.
1: OK, so before we go any further, Miriam, what happens in Runaways?
0: Runaways is an adaptation of the Marvel comic, also called Runaways. It's about some teenagers who, are surprisingly enough, run away. What they essentially find out is that their parents are members of a supervillain cult. And that makes them evil. And they need to figure out a way to stop their parents from doing heinous supervillain acts while also dealing with teenage stuff.
1: There is a lot of teenage stuff, but Miriam, how much did you know about Runaways before you saw this show?
0: I knew the comics created by Brian K. Vaughan and the artist Adrian Alfona, who you might know from Ms. Marvel more recently. Brian K. Vaughan is probably most famous at the moment for his kind of ongoing series Saga, which is also really kind of soap opera dynamics, dramatic, but also it's like set in space and there's aliens and things. But yeah, Brian K. Vaughan created these Marvel characters, they were brand new characters, At the time, they were kind of in the Marvel Universe, but occupied their own little corner. He was kind of dealing with the central concept of at some point, every child thinks their parents are evil, and that basically sets up the series.
1: Yeah, and it's quite interesting that I think this is probably the least seen. I mean, it's interesting you bring up, which we'll come back to, that even the comics were kind of in their own corner of the Marvel Universe. There's very little crossover with other comics. I mean, occasionally you'll get something like, one of the characters does show up in Secret Empire, that sort of thing, but here they were off on their own too, to the extent that I think this is the one that the least people have seen. I mean, what I've found, generally, when the ask people about it is they've generally replied i've not seen that but isn't that the one cloak and dagger show up in now given how few people seen cloak and dagger already that kind of really sets runaways off on its own
0: Yeah, I mean, it was always kind of, as I say, in its own little world. They did do a crossover in the comics with Young Avengers, who are also like the teen versions of the Avengers who have to deal with like their whole relationship to previous generations of superheroes. So they kind of had that going on. But yeah, overall, it's definitely one of the more obscure kind of Marvel series that we've had alongside Cloak and Dagger. I mean, it was a Hulu original in America, which is the same kind of streaming platform that something like The Handmaid's Tale is on, which is completely different to this for obvious reasons here in the uk it was on the sci-fi channel which is I'm not sure if it's a freeview channel I think it might only be a paid for channel so it didn't necessarily have the same reach as something that might have been on Netflix or say one of the other Sky channels
1: Yeah it even took me a while to see it because you know most of the other TV series have jumped on the second they came out including Cloak and Dagger but it was partly to do with a little less familiarity with the runaways in general but also because it didn't seem like it was aimed at me and there were very little in terms of crossover to kind of draw floating voters in i'm so glad i went back to it though because i loved it i think it dips a little as we'll come on to in the third series but there are reasons for that but there are some crossover elements there's mentioned things like they mentioned wakanda rocks and oil i think danny rand is mentioned obliquely there's also this is interesting one of their parents technically appeared in doctor strange played by a different actor they decided to recast her for this which also gave it kind of an element of, well, what's happened there? It's this other two of them and there's one evil, which is an interesting approach. bit a villain who turns up later, who we'll come back to, who is much more of a draw, really. But it's off on its own. I mean, even Cloak and Dagger had things like They named Drop Luke Cage a lot and things like that this was a deliberate decision by the production team to have them in their own world to make it more realistic teen series because their reasoning was that unlike say Peter Parker who's got you know a big void in his life that needs to be filled by the Avengers and by Tony Stark in particular that they're kind of I mean I know their parents are evil but they're reasonably well adjusted well-off kids and the logic there was well they wouldn't be following Iron Man and Captain America on Twitter was the quote and I think that's true but I think that limited experience exposure a bit and i think that's why in series three you get this much greater attempt more to tie it in with the tv universe because it picks up on some details from agents of shield and obviously you've got cloak and dagger in but i just wonder what you thought of that in terms of the lack of wider appeal of the first two series
0: i think first of all when you do get those wider references to the mcu like when wakanda is referenced by i think alex alex says something about wakanda it is so much more of a payoff and you're like, oh, yeah, this is a this is like a Marvel thing. I forgot that. Um, <laughs> I do think they were aiming for a younger audience with this. And I do think the the comics were always based on that kind of age old Marvel concept of teenagers with superpowers, which is not that from what we might have encountered in. Spider-Man. I mean it wasn't aimed at me. I watched it cuz I was familiar with the comics, but yeah, I think it's definitely aimed at like younger generation Z.
1: I think we should just go through who the characters are because quite interesting not all of them are actually superpowered in the traditional sense. First, Alex really is just a genius. Yeah,
0: so Alex is like the nerd and his superpower is that he's just really smart, which might not even be a superpower there's about a million characters first of all which i think needs <laughs> to be mentioned yeah
1: because yeah, there's also carolina who's half alien okay that is a superpower gert who's got a psychic link to a dinosaur called old lace now i think this is a slight problem in the in the comic she refers to herself as arsenic so it's arsenic and old lace and she doesn't really do that here. And so Old Lace is a bit of a confusing name if you don't know that. There's Chase who has fistigons, which are basically kind of high tech power gauntlets. Molly who has super strength And Nico, who has kind of what are kind of mystical Wiccan abilities, who I'm simplifying it here, but in the comics, some of that is derived from self-harming, which obviously was completely (laughs) written out here for very sensible reasons. That's basically the core of them. And like you say, they come together because their parents are evil. Some of the casting of the parents is quite interesting as well. Because obviously you've got James Masters as Chase's father, who obviously has been in a lot of things like Buffy and Angel. And apparently he was inspired to inquire about being in the series because he loved Vincent D'Onofrio in Daredevil so much.
0: I mean, every time he shows up, it's like, it's Spike.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to get away from that. But speaking of that, one of the others who plays Carolina's father is Julian McMahon, who obviously was Doctor Doom in the Fantastic Four films. But for me, he will always be... Ben Lucini from the very early days of Home and Away sort of striding along Summer Bay in his you know looking muscly in his vest and having <laughs> romances with Carly it's hard to see if it's anything other than that
0: you're forgetting about Charmed I think this is where the, the yes. generational gap is, is sure, <laughs> showing because I don't remember him being in Home and Away at all but to me he's like he's that guy in Charmed who was like the slightly rubbish rip like Angel in that central love story in Charmed that was always kind of made in parallel to Buffy but yeah he was he was like the kind of tragic romantic demon guy he was red i remember he was red
1: and that basically is the storyline it doesn't impact on anything else that's going on in the mcu i mean most notably it's unclear what if anything happened to them after Thanos' snap in infinity war Apparently, if you work it all out logically, Series 3 technically takes place in a gap between Infinity War and Endgame, which indicates that maybe, maybe they'd somehow all survived, although that doesn't quite ring true. But it doesn't reference anything else. Their whole world is that they are trying to get away from these mad parents who, in their own way, think they're doing the right thing. It's about their struggle first to escape from them, and then to try and stop them. And it gets very different in series three, because obviously they're still involved, they're still on the scene. But we also get Elizabeth Hurley as Morgan Le Fay.
0: I think by season three, they threw out a lot of the rules that they had set up for themselves. To the extent that, like, you get halfway through and they're like, here's Elizabeth Hurley and her very low cut dress and also a plot about smartphone mind control, which seemed to come out of nowhere. But yeah, I think throughout the first two seasons they had very kind of clear remit and where they wanted to go with it and then by the third season they were just like, What the hell, let's just go all out on these teen characters and, and see where they take us.
1: And also Morgan the Fay is a conspicuously big character To introduce at that stage, because obviously she is a main antagonist of Doctor Strange in the comics and had been in the 70s TV Doctor Strange. That weird kind of proto MCU they did with that Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk played by Jessica Walter. But here, I think it's not often you hear somebody say Elizabeth Hurley is really suited to that role. I think it really plays to her kind of style and her abilities. To be this camped-up, English-accented, mystical character with an evil streak. She really works at it, and I didn't expect that at all.
0: Yeah, I think some of it's kind of drawing from that remake of Bedazzled she was in. Yes! Where she's like playing the devil or some kind of derivative of the devil there's a definite kind of persona for her where she's just like a kind of sultry evildoer but also a little bit tongue-in-cheek I also think it was drawing a little bit from the popularity of Hela in Thor Ragnarok but played by Kate Blanchett who landed with audiences really well audiences relished it very much and found it kind of Empowering almost to see this extremely evil woman being very horrible, but also you know kind of badass. Hey, Nico. I've been wanting
1: to talk to you all day. I wanted to get everybody back together, and I know that it, that it can't be like it was. The truth. I miss you guys. I could build a big machine.
0: I hope you're right about this not being a big deal.
1: The last thing they're interested
0: in is what their parents are doing. You
1: gonna let us in? Who are they? Why is my mom's purse here? What kind of charity meeting is this? None of our parents are who we thought. Something really weird is going on. I have so many questions.
0: No matter what we are, we can't let our parents keep getting away with this stuff. We cannot let anyone undermine what we're doing. We're going to need another sacrifice. These kids are living on borrowed time.
1: Have to stop this, no one else will. shut out what's destructed round you? Look at me, yeah, I'm there's also as we mentioned Cloak and Dagger who had their own series on Hulu at the same time show up in series 3 now I have a slight problem with series 3 without spoiling too much there's a stretch for a couple of episodes basically more or less just about two characters and it really does drag then but suddenly they're all plunged by the Darkhold into this nightmare world which Cloak and Dagger turn up in the combination between them being very slightly older than the Runaways and having more of a scene it all before attitude. It really, really makes for a really good dynamic, I think.
0: Yeah, and, and Cloak and Dagger were runaways to begin with. They were like the original runaways. And and yeah. the comics kind of debuted well before the runaways were out. So there's I think we kind of influenced by that kind of style. But there's a definite kind of social issue undertone with characters like Cloak and Dagger who kind of operate in more kind of seedy crime-ridden venues whereas the runaways are clearly a lot more privileged at least in terms of class their main goal is to just stay out their parents way
1: and they do get unlike cloak and dagger and really unlike peter parker to an extent to live normal teenage lives while everything's going on in the background and there are actually some interesting relationships between them i mean there's the romance between chase and gert and there's a really good scene in series two where they have to pretend to be a couple to sneak into a honeymoon suite And then they start arguing like a couple, which is a really good scene. And there's also a romance between Nico and Carolina, which I was quite surprised to see that in there. But it's not played in any way salaciously. It is just they develop a romantic interest in each other.
0: Yeah. And that, again, is like reaching to the comics. They included that relationship between Carolina and Nico. And at the time, that was pretty groundbreaking. Also, the fact that the women outnumber the men on the team. Yeah. That was, you know, different for that back then. I think it's it's quite easy now to kind of underestimate just how, how kind of unique that was during the, I think it was the early 2000s. I think they pretty much just translated the relationship between Carolina and Nico and the other bits and bobs kind of came together. The love rectangle? So many, like, characters who, like, fancy each other or are going out with each other or cheating on each other. And that kind of extends to the parents as well, which is where the kind of teen drama, soap opera elements kind of come in. This was made by the people who created the OC. Again, I was a huge fan of that when I was younger, so... That speaks to me. There's a lot going on in terms of the people dynamic and Carolina and Nico, they kind of just slot right in there.
1: It's also worth saying, though, that although it does explore a lot of, in inverted commas, teen issues, that shouldn't put anyone off because they are just part of the makeup of the show. They're not what leads it and it's not alienating. To be honest with you, the only thing about it that screamed this wasn't made for me is the music is very, very up-to-the-minute and contemporary compared to the rest of the MCU. I mean, you know, if you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, no record in that is is less than about 40 to 50 years old. But this has a really, really up-to-the-minute original score, which I think works in its favour. But that's the only thing, I think, that marks it out as you know, specifically being aimed at its intended audience demographic. And I think that really works in its favour. And I think more people should give it a chance, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do too. The fact that they did bring the parent, The parents play a really big role in the series, at least in comparison to the comics, where the parents were just like super villains and that was it but here you, you get an insight into the way they operate and how they think and the fact that they they do kind of care about their children and how they even kind of got roped into this whole cult the note you make about the music is interesting because i swear i, I didn't know any of the, the they always end it with like a, a kind of montage set to a what i assume is a popular music <laughs> song <laughs> i sound about 80 but um <laughs> it's like it has it has absolutely no purchase for like older viewers in terms of those kinds of references but there is definitely stuff in there including like pop culture references that you know i don't want to make assumptions but maybe those like arsenic and old lace for instance would kind of just go over the heads of a lot of younger viewers
1: i think that's true actually and also i think one thing that doesn't get commented on enough is for a series of this scale with this kind of budget old lace is really well rendered it's like something you want to see in prime evil which you know we'll probably have to explain what prime evil was to people now which is the big budget itv saturday tea time series about dinosaurs in the present old lace is so convincing i'm not gonna say you could believe it was a real dinosaur but (laughs) yeah really well done
0: yeah but they did use a puppet for it i think
1: for quite a lot of it
0: which makes a difference and there is like a jurassic park reference in there somewhere and old lace is really really cute as well i think old lace is one of my favorite characters and i think maybe she's a little bit underused she doesn't really go out very much she just kind of hangs about in the house sometimes she comforts the teenagers, if they're feeling down, which is nice. She's like a
1: cat. It's just like a house cat, but like a dinosaur. But unfortunately, although it got to three full-length series, which is a good innings, particularly by the Marvel TV standards, because most of them didn't get very far beyond one or two, it kind of disappeared almost unceremoniously. I think they decided apparently while they were making series three that it was going to be the last, and even though it ends with a setup for a fourth one, there's a reference to Victor Manka, who's basically the progeny of Ultron, which again, you know, is a although he does appear in the Brotherways comics that is quite a big crossover point but they'd obviously thought at that point it wasn't going any further it's quite a shame really that it more or less came and went without a lot of people noticing
0: yeah and i think part of that was it came out during that strange kind of multi-platform time that marvel had when a lot of its content in terms of tv was decentralized so you had like the netflix universe and the mcu and then all these different channels that were kind of doing their own thing but then also not I think if they'd have sat on it a little bit longer and waited till Disney Plus was, you know, up and running, they could have had like a a more enduring TV show. But I guess they made it when they made it. and, And they actually went ahead and created something that was, you know, fairly compelling and had really interesting characters and a really great cast.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I had seen none of the main cast in anything before, but they're all really good. Every single one of them, particularly. I think Molly is great. She's technically a little bit younger than the rest of them. and She really captures that dynamic of being the youngest one in the gang, who's kind of more or less there under sufferance. I'm not saying she's quite like Tiger from Here Come the Double Deckers, which is a, is a reference that really would be lost on anyone from the way just aimed at. But it's that kind of thing is just nailed brilliantly.
0: Yeah, she's the little sister. And she is actually quite a bit younger than the rest of the cast. I think the rest of the cast were like in their early 20s, which is like standard for playing teenagers. So Allegra Acosta plays Molly Hayes, and she was actually the youngest cast member. And the others were kind of in their early 20s, which I guess you kind of they're reaching a little bit with some of them. They do look pretty old. But I was quite interested that one of them is British, the actor who plays Chase. Greg Sulkin, who did that kind of classic sort of uh, generic american accent pretty well so you end up with a cast that is fairly diverse and also kind of internationally reaching
1: and of course he was also in the sarah jane adventures like finn jones who played iron fist so now it's interesting because i think genuinely a lot of the mcu did take a lot of cues from russell davis's kind of doctor who mini-universe which i think it gets played down now what a i can't say a new thing that was but it took what people have been trying to do and did it properly it is nice to know that it did have some influence going forward
0: yeah and there's little like doctor who references kind of scattered throughout it but yeah i definitely agree there's there's uh, it has a very kind of distinctive feel that kind of taps into that younger characters who occupy these kind of familiar spaces that you associate with you know cult sci-fi essentially
1: and that i mean i don't know my hope is that going forward they'll find a way even if they don't make any more with those characters to incorporate those pre-disney plus tv series into the mcu going forward i mean there are rumors about some characters reappearing i'm not quite sure if the runaways will which is a bit sad i mean i suppose the scope in ms marvel who they do have some dealings with in the comics but we may have seen the last of them unfortunately but would you like to see more of them
0: i would love to see more of them and i am actually hopeful that we might see more of them maybe not portrayed by the same actors because they'll be you know well into their 30s by the time we we get there um (laughs) but (laughs) i think the the first two series are on disney plus and then the rights are kind of transferring to you know back to back to marvel I, i think the daredevil rights are transferring back from netflix to disney this weekend even so i think there's hope i think there's hope for these characters who are kind of an embodiment of youthful hope in themselves
1: And that will be ultimately quite a thing when there's more cohesion going forward, but we're trying to reach out to so many audiences at one point. I think it's going to be fascinating when on Disney Plus you've got runaways at one extreme, the Punisher at the other, and Inhumans somewhere off doing its own thing that nobody really cared about, but... I think it is going to be interesting to compare that to what comes going forward because everything is going to be seamlessly connected now. You can't say there won't be these little diversions, but they'll be more carefully incorporated. And I just think it's nice that we have a reminder of, well, I say that phase, those three phases, that all these shows are now coming onto to Disney+.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, inevitably, the more characters you add to the MCU, the more complicated it's going to be and the more inconsistencies there's going to be. So, you know, be prepared to make your brain do a lot of work to try and figure out where everyone fits in and what timeline it is. But... I do think there is something for everyone within the Marvel Universe. That does mean that, as you say, you do get like horribly violent characters like the Punisher existing across, you know, the teenagers who have a pet dinosaur. But (laughs) I think there's a way to make it work. I think if they set it out carefully, they could figure out how to, to kind of make them kind of coexist by themselves while also acknowledging that all of this is kind of happening within the same universe
1: okay well, there's only one thing left for me to ask now miriam if you had a psychic link to a dinosaur what would you use it for
0: <laughs> using is a is an interesting word but i would probably use it as uh very much in the same way that i use my cats uh you know, for company <laughs> and
1: um
0: having you know light conversations with
1: i can't say fairer than that miriam <laughs> thank you and excelsior
0: <laughs> thank you
1: enjoyed this, don't forget you can find more editions of It's Good Accept It Sucks and plenty more besides, including details of my book Can't Help Thinking About Me, at timworthington.org.